Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. I'm Rick Wolfel. When Katrin Wolf took a job with the GCSAA field staff one year ago, serving the Middle Atlantic region, she had no experience working in the turf industry. But Wolf, who played college golf at Penn State, brought with her a lifelong passion for the game and an abiding respect for the men and women who maintain golf courses, as well as a desire to educate the public about all that superintendents do for the game and those who play it. Katrin Wolf shares her story on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. Katrin, thank you for taking time from what I know is a very busy schedule to join us on Wonderful Women of Golf. We're happy to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's start with your background in golf and in sports. You have had a pretty good career as a player. Yeah, and I'm lucky I still get to play in the amateur field. Um, I, I grew up in a golf family. Um, my dad was a college golfer. Um, I grew up at a great golf course in Western PA called Sunny Hannah. Um, it's known for a men's amateur tournament, but I was very lucky to grow up there and it helped grow my game of golf. I had, we had a really good junior program and I got to about high school and was like, I think I could do this in college. And I you know, worked hard and was able to get a athletic scholarship and play at Penn State University. I was a four year starter and it was one of the best things to do. Um, I'm a huge Penn State fan my whole life. So to be able to say that I was a Nate Lion was a huge honor. Um, I graduated at Penn State in 2006. I went to grad school. I originally was studying exercise physiology, exercise science, and I did that for a couple years, and I transitioned it back into college athletics as an administrator. I worked for, in the administration for college athletics, focusing on compliance for about 10 years. During that time, I came back. To, I didn't really play competitive golf. I um, came back to competitive golf and started doing the mid-am circuit, like I qualified for the USGA mid-am, um, started playing in our state championships again and supporting some local events which was really exciting to get back into the golf um, side of things um, not just you know at not that time not professionally but also you know just my personal interest in 20 I guess gosh 2020 2021 I was working in higher education and college athletics it's wonderful I still love it still follow it but it, it was changing and I felt that with that change was enough for me to look at a change I was sent um, the job description for mid-atlantic field rep at GCSAA there was a lot of similarities, a lot of like transferable skills that my at my old job that I was, could use in my current job. And my friend said, "I think this 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 sounds like you." I was like, "Wow, I never thought of this." And um, I said, "I love golf. To make golf a career would be really amazing, and to help superintendents that take care of the golf courses and provide these great spaces for us to play would be an honor." I, I was lucky enough and to receive the job, and here I am. We should mention that you're celebrating your first anniversary with the organization yeah, as, we're, as, as we're doing this. In terms of your responsibilities, it's a pretty wide-ranging set. What exactly goes into your day-to-day -day job description? Yeah, that's a great question. So Mid-Atlantic Field Rep, I always say that we're the liaisons. We're the liaisons between the members and the chapters to the national organization. A little bit more hands-on, a little bit more connection. I think it's really awesome because we were able to get directly to our members to provide our programs and services and to show how they work. Because sometimes when you have a national organization, you don't feel that you're connected with them because they're, they're, they're not where you are. By having these field reps throughout our country that connect directly with you and come to your events, you actually can see what GCSA is doing and what it can provide to you as a member. And I think that's pretty special. What geographic area do you service? That means a lot of time on the road. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm lucky I drive to all mine in my region. I'm from Pennsylvania down to Virginia, so I have Maryland, the District of Columbia, Delaware, and I also have West Virginia. That is a lot of time on the road. About how many superintendents or how many facilities Whoa. are in that ge geographic region? I never actually thought about looking at it that way. I look at it more because of my chapters, just because it's easier. So I have 17 chapters. So that's how I look at it, breaking it down that way. But breaking it down, I had to look at that, the actual number of superintendents and members that I have. I never looked at it that way. I don't even know if I want to look at it. It might be a little bit more daunting than 17 chapters. <laughs> okay, we will <laughs> withdraw that question. What has it been like building relationships with superintendents um, on occasion with golf professionals or club officers, what have you, but just getting to know these folks and interact with them? It's been great. I think it's been really nerve-wracking my first starting because, you know, I think when you start any new job, you're the new person. So getting, being that first person to make that first step in, we've all been there, but it's still really nerve-wracking to say hi for the first time. But once you start that, you know, that I always say after that first month of getting comfortable walking into a room, it became easier. And then you start building these relationships. And what's great then, once you meet one person, they're like, oh, I want you to meet this other person. And then it, you know, expands from there. I've been lucky. I think one of the things that helped me is I, I'm very active on, on our GCSA Twitter account. And, um, you know, because you put a little bit about yourself in there, your personality comes through. And I just always fun to hear like, oh, I follow you on Twitter. And it's like a conversation starter already, which is a pretty fun way to do that. I have a great love and passion for golf and golf courses and what, what superintendents do on their golf courses. So it's pretty easy for me to be like, oh, let me talk to you about your golf course or you tell me about your golf course because I, I, I just get very excited about it. So it's not too hard to transfer into that golf conversation for me. That's what I was going to ask you next, how your background as a player and being a pretty darn good one helps you build these interpersonal relationships. Yeah, so it was funny, as I was in this winter, I was with a colleague in um, Pittsburgh, and I like, I, you know, I just love golf courses. I, you know, you can't play every one of them. I just don't have the time, but he was laughing because every time I would meet someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, your golf course is so great. Oh my gosh, your golf course. And I think that's just something that I love golf history. I love golf courses. I've, I've been lucky enough, especially in the state of Pennsylvania, to play a significant amount of these golf courses. So I know the hard work that they put in. I know it's not always been easy. You know, Pennsylvania, we've had some interesting weather over the last couple of years. You know, superintendents can talk about we have had drought, we've had significant rain. I mean, even this year we have had the, you know, winter keep, keeps coming back to us in full force. So, and it's also because, you know, being a golfer and having that, that connection too, even though it's not necessarily on the superintendent side, you can see what they're doing. You're, you know, I want to get on the golf course too and play and play the golf courses. So it's a fun way to connect. What are some of the issues that you find yourself dealing with fairly regularly that are fairly common to golf facilities? Well, I think the one that we're seeing a lot and we, we discuss a lot in a lot of our chapters and a lot of our association meetings is we're working with, with the labor shortage and labor issues and, and cost. Inflation is hitting golf industry just like everyone else. And it's been coming around for, you know, since probably since I started, I've been, this has been a major point of conversation. And I think, you know, it's the, it's how do we address it? You know, some ideas. The Mid-Atlantic chapter is doing some great work down there. They had just connected, which what they called like their first screen for educators. We'll get to that. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, no, <laughs> we'll find, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit about what first screen is about. And you're mm -hmm. right, Tyler Blumen, remember when he was yeah. a superintendent there, really got that program off the ground and others have carried on uh, in his stead since he moved back to Pennsylvania. But it's a wonderful program. But that's, that's one 
way of uh, reaching out sure. to the industry and reaching out to the public at large. Yeah, and I, you know, also too, we're seeing our, our superintendents going out to actual schools to create mentorship and apprenticeship programs, showing them that golf, I think a lot of times we hear too is, oh, I didn't know we golf had that many opportunities for careers, or I didn't know there was those opportunities to do golf as a career, or be outside. And I think it's sometimes because we, you know, we get in our bubbles, they don't see that. So I think we're trying to do some unique ways to show the opportunities in golf. And I think it's great because when, you know, even if we show what, what we do on, on the golf course with superintendents caring for the course, it also expands into, into um, other spaces like working in the clubhouse, working in the food side, working in the pro shops, or mechanics. You know, we have a lot of opportunities in golf, and there's a lot of transferable skills. Like, I didn't come into the golf industry out of college. I, I came into it after several years of, of working professionally, that there are ways to get into the golf field as well. So I think that's something that we're now showing and seeing, and I think that is hopefully that will continue that trend will help help you know with these areas that we're we're seeing what tyler mentioned to me and he and i spoke about this a couple of years ago is the importance of getting students thinking middle school age high school age involved and as you mentioned just making them aware of the opportunities that are there and at the same time some of these students have never seen a golf mm -hmm. course before have never seen this expanse of green grass before and they're just overwhelmed by it and so overjoyed that something like this yeah. exists what's that like for you when you see these kids that maybe don't have access to an environment where there is all this open space and they encounter it on a golf course it's pretty incredible because I feel it a lot of times when I just walk out here, like I, I itch to get onto a golf course. So to see someone for the first time have that opportunity, and even like I, like when you do it, when you see first green and they see the equipment, like they look at it and you're just like, wow, like they're like, that's so cool. And they just do like, they're just rolling the green back and forth. And you would think like, this is just like the coolest thing they've ever seen. And it may be, they may not have the opportunity. It's just like their eyes wide, like lighten up. And it's, it's really amazing that they have that opportunity. And yeah, like, I love when you're done or when you do an event, even if you're going to help out with juniors with like learning to play golf and they're like, I want to come back. You feel like, okay, I did something right today. What else can you tell us about uh, the First Green program is expanding? I know it's something that GCSAA is very proud of. Yeah, it's a really great program. We're hoping to have one field trip in all 50 states. Um, that's our next goal. I think that if you have the opportunity to see it and experience it, you're going to want to have it at your golf course. Um, I was lucky enough to just do a First Green about a couple of weeks ago in, in Maryland with Ryan Crossoffer um, of the Mid-Atlantic chapter at Westminster Golf Club. And... He, he's Mr. First Green. He's done many, many first greens, and he does a wonderful job. And I, you know, I was, you know, I was sitting there talking before and after with some of the volunteers that come in, and they're, you know, one of them was from um, Montgomery County, Maryland. I, I apologize if I got the county wrong name. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And they're like, we can't wait to do this in the fall. That's why we came. We want to continue getting ideas. We're ready to do this. And I especially think now with schools that are now, like, they're fully reopened, field trips are back on the permission area for students to do. You have that excitement, um, so it's kind of feeding into the first green, which is really, really cool to see that superintendents are excited to have that, schools are excited to have it, children. I've been lucky enough to go to talk about first green, not just with schools, but other organizations. And you, you, you hear about this, and the idea of having STEM education, part of a field trip that's fun, that's outdoors, that's part of an activity like golf where you're outside getting active, is just hitting all these check marks that schools are looking for to get students involved. 
And outside, you know, I think too is that to grow the first green too is we have to have that support from our communities and going out into our communities to talk about it as well. Because when they hear about it, they'll go to their teachers and be like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And um, we're seeing too first green not always with school field trips like the local elementary schools and middle schools. We're seeing other areas, golf courses are having their members' children come into it or they're just having like the boys and girls clubs or first tees or YMCA is like in the summer, you have a lot of possibilities for first green field trips and taking first green field trips a little bit off the course, like, okay, taking to the schools to show what they are. We can't do as much as we can on the golf course, but that way you can get buy-in. So it's really cool, the uh, growth of it. Another thing that uh, we're doing at the GSCSA, which I think is really going to help, is we're doing a train the trainer program. We're doing a first green, having people come in, kind of observe, be a part of it. So they're learning how to do it so they can take it back to your golf course. That's the best way to learn. I mean, we, that's when, if coming from educate, higher education, that's what we always tell our students is the best way to learn. So I think it's cool that we keep expanding these opportunities. And like you touched on, is showing students opportunities for career paths, even though they may not think of it, it can keep that in their mind as they go. The other part that comes to mind, the people in the industry, as I'm sure you have observed over the last year, are so passionate about sharing their knowledge with whoever crosses their path, whether it's you acclimating to a new job, whether it's me working on a story for GCI or for someone else, whoever crosses their path. And the men and women in the turf industry are so good about that. It's what makes it mm -hmm. this uh, podcast series and the other things that I do so fulfilling and so fascinating because they want to share that knowledge and share their passion for something that they love to do. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what's been fun over the last year is, you know, even when you sit down at the end of the day and you have like maybe like, like that social hour and they're throwing ideas like, oh, are you dealing with this? And, and it could be anything. It could be pesticides. It could be member, you know, how, how to deal with a member. It could be water rights, you know, whatever it may be is like they're throwing off ideas from each other. And I also see too is that oh, my club is doing this, let me help you out. I have, you know, extra sand or I have extra turf or, you know, I, I, we're doing a feasibility study. Why don't we include you in? I think that, you know, it's such a small world and we're all trying to do our part. And if you help your neighbor out, it's only going to help you out. And I think that kindness and growth is really something special in the turf industry that I've not experienced in the way that I have here. It's, it's genuine help, general concern. And that's really, really amazing to see that and that, that, you know, hey, can I talk to you about this? And they're like, yeah, let's talk. Like, that's pretty cool. Particularly if somebody has a serious problem and that's something that you come across when you're on the road. Somebody might have a disease problem. Somebody might have had winter damage. Somebody might have had a flooding issue, whatever it happens to be. Somebody might have trouble getting a hold of a chemical product that they need. Somebody is always willing to step up and help them. Yeah, there's all, you know, there's always that really great connection. And then, you know, you're going to find that way or you're going to find some help along the way, um, which, you know, it's really kind of cool um, that we have that ability to do that in our industry. And I think to networking, you know, I think one of the great things to see for career wise is a lot of these superintendents, they're, they're mentoring these younger superintendents to grow in the industry, to find positions that fit what they want and what they need, what matches their family. And I think that's really incredible that you have those people that want you to succeed in your job and are going to help you do that. So not only are they helping you professionally, like with your job, they're also helping you grow professionally. How do you set your schedule up of what clubs you visit? Do they 
contact you or contact the USGA and say, we've got this issue, can your field rep come and see us, or, well, or do you reach out to them? Sure. I don't actually do, like, because I don't have, my background's not in turf, so I don't do any work specifically on the golf course. Like, I'm not going to make any recommendations on care of the course or anything like that. I'll help provide information or, you know, guide them to someone that could help them. GCSA, I do get invited to golf courses, and I like to do field site visits just to get to know the superintendent, what they need from GCSA, how can we make sure we help them grow professionally, are they using our services, if they're not, why aren't they using them, and what could we do to help them use the services. Also, it's just to show the course, I think sometimes, like, that's their hard work, that's their passion, that's a part of them, is an honor to go see what they're doing. Another topic I wanted to get to, and I know you wanted to get to, increasing opportunities for girls and women in the turf industry. When we were starting to put this series together, we did some research, and I believe 2% of the membership of the GCSAA was female. Mm -hmm. And hopefully in the years to come, that number is going to go up. But I know it's something that you're very passionate about. What steps would you like to see that would encourage more girls and women to get involved? Maybe this series has been part of it. Who knows? But um, what steps would you like to see going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, one of my, you know, being a woman um, in sport and in golf and in turf, that I really love this, continue to see that grow. I think representation matters. One of the things, being in this position, I'm the first female field rep. I think that that in itself is a huge step. Having someone that's going around to grow the game, to grow the turf industry that looks like you is a, is a huge first step. I think what we, we're seeing a lot of superintendents do, they're getting out, advocating, pushing the sport, getting into schools, going to university job fairs, getting into schools with, with the first green. Social media podcasts like this are, are excellent ways to hear about the woman's voice in, in the industry. Um, I think one of the ways we can see the growth of it happen was this year at conference and trade show, we had our um, women in turf reception, and, and it was so well attended. And I, that was my first one. That was my first conference and trade show. But hearing it, their stories through the years where they started where there's only a handful of women, when we took out a whole deck at the convention center, I think is huge strides that we're, we're, we're growing the industry in that way. You know, we have to grow with, to grow the industry, we have to grow within, we have to work together. I have a passion for golf and I think showing women the game, showing the industry is something we need to continue to do. I think, you know, getting the girls at a young age involved in the sport or in the industry or in, you know, FFA is another great way to get involved in, in turf grass or learn about it is, is really important. We have to show ourselves to do that. I think sometimes, you know, getting out of our comfort zones and, and talking about it, because it's not always easy being a woman. Yes, there's times when I'm the only woman in the room, but I enjoy it. I have really great colleagues and really great members and really great chapters that, that it they just want it to grow as well. And I think that's really important too. Another thing that has helped last year at the Olympic Club, there were 30 female turf volunteers assisting the crew at the Women's Open or part of the crew at the Women's Open. The same thing is going to happen mm -hmm. at Pine Needles this year. I believe uh, on the list I saw 14 of the 30 that were at the Olympic Club will be at Pine Needles. And you mentioned there's going to be a female volunteer crew at the U.S. Women's Amateur. And what people have told me that were at the Olympic Club last year, it was such a great networking opportunity, apart from seeing how a major championship is conducted and all that goes with making a golf event work, but the opportunities to learn from 
and network with each other were as valuable as anything else in that experience. Yeah, I agree. I think meeting meeting your, your colleagues and hearing, and also too, like we talked about before, is like throwing ideas off. So like, hey, have you dealt with this in your career? How, how did you handle this? Is something too that's really great for the you know women in the turf. It's women supporting women. Um, I think that's wonderful. I also think something that we're seeing is the growth of women's sports on, on television as supportive women's sports. I think that's going to continue to help grow our industry. We're solid, you know, in the women's basketball this year, college basketball has some of the highest viewership for women's basketball it's ever seen. We saw the um, Augusta Women's Amateur is continuing to grow. It's continuing to become a great, you know, talking point that you, I love when I go to golf courses and start hearing the, you know, the members talk about women's golf. And I think if you start talking about women's golf, women's in turf, if you have that conversation, no matter how we get to it, we had to keep pushing that. And that's something that I think of the last maybe like four or five years, we're really seeing great growth in that. And women saying, I want my voice to be heard and I want to talk about it. And that, that's another great way to get it out. What's been the most satisfying part of this journey over the last year for you, assuming this new position, getting to know people and really making an impact on the golf industry? What has given you the most personal and professional satisfaction? Well, I think when I get asked, and I mean, it's small, but when I get asked to speak at an event or write a letter for their newsletters, I, I mean, I think that's pretty awesome because they, they want to hear my voice and get up to speak. I think now as I go along professionally, I'll be able to speak more eloquently. Like your first year on the road, you're still kind of gaining the ropes. So you're just kind of telling what I do for GCSA. Now I can put like a personal spin on it, which I think is really great. I also think something too that I, I find honored that's occurring now and has happened through the last year is being invited by our members or our supporters to talk or to call me or, you know, to an event. We had, I got to play, uh, we had a first screen. I got to play a couple holes with Craig Kirby. He was on our D&I committee for GCSA. He just called, he's like, hey, let's play a couple holes. We can talk. And I like, just little things like that. I mean, they're in the scope of the profession. They're not a whole lot, but to me, they mean a lot. And I think that's what you build your career on and help grow the, the, grow the game and grow the industry. Like, hey, let's just talk for a little bit. I was like, oh, that's amazing that you want to talk to me. Because <laughs> sometimes you, you feel like, oh, my gosh, am I doing it okay? And you get nervous and you're like, what can I do? I don't know what you're talking about at all. That has not happened to me <laughs> since probably last week. <laughs> yeah, so I just, that was I, that last, that little, I mean, I, you know, working the first green is always to me will be my favorite part of my job. And then having that opportunity to be like, let's just talk a little bit. And, you know, like, and to do it on a golf course, which is what we're trying to build and grow, was, was a cool moment. Cantron, thanks very much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And your thoughts are going to resonate uh, with a lot of people and make an impact. Oh, that's awesome. I'm excited. I, I know I'm excited to work in, in this industry and in turf golf course management and to continue to grow the game. I think we're, we're going to, you know, every year we're trying to make it better. And I think every year we do make it better. So I'm just glad to be a small part of it. Katrin Wolf, our guest on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. My name is Rick Wolfel. As always, we thank you for joining us. For those of you who work in the turf industry, we appreciate all you do for the game. Please join us next time.